Today we're going to study what Patty has already told you. It shows itself in the very first chapter of Mark as Jesus is beginning his ministry and he calls his very first disciples. So I'm going to ask you to follow in your Bibles or up on the screens because I'm going to read this passage again to you. And this is what Jesus calls the disciples. He says this, or Mark writes this. He says, as Jesus passed along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you fish for people. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. As he went a little further, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, who were in their boat mending the nets. Immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. God's blessing. This is his word for the people of God. Thanks be to God. The story is told about... uh, two ardent fishermen who were on vacation. And as all fishermen are likely to do, they began swapping stories about the different places they had fished and the tackle they had used and some of the fish that they had caught. And the first gentleman started to tell a story about his vicious battle when he once caught a 300-pound salmon. The second guy listened intently to the story. And then admitted, quite frankly, that he had never caught anything quite as large as a 300-pound salmon. However, he told it about the time when he was fishing, and his hook snagged a lantern at the bottom of a lake. And he hauled the lantern up, and there was a tag on the lantern, proven, proving that it was lost in 1912. But the strangest fact about the entire catch is that the lantern was waterproof and the light inside was still on. The first man looked at the second and then finally said, listen, i tell you what I'm going to do. I'll take 200 pounds off my fish if you turn out that light in the lantern. (laughs) Fishing stories. Fishing stories. They're always fun. Sometimes they're absurd. I come from a fishing family. My father, my grandfather, Laurie's father, Laurie and I have been fishing many, many times. But those three men especially taught me how to fish, taught me how to catch fish. They also taught me how to catch fish that are not necessarily the kind that come out of, out of the water. But they kind of defined who I am. I miss all three of them very, very much. But I cherish the days when we were out there on a lake or a river or in the Everglades fishing. We used to come home and Laurie asked, you know, what'd you talk about? Guys don't talk when they're out fishing. We just go fish, you know. That's what it's about. It's about bonding, right, Patty? Wherever Patty ended up. Patty, it's about bonding, male bonding. I want to tell you today about another story that's just as important, even more so, because it's about the call of these first four disciples into Jesus's ministry. And I think there are challenging lessons for us to learn. I've entitled this sermon, Fish or Cut Bait, and I'm sure that many of you are aware of that phrase. It's 
telling you about, are you going to spend your time getting ready? Are you going to spend your time talking about something, or are you actually going to get busy and doing it? Are you going to fish, or are you going to cut bait? And I want you to use that image as we look at this Scripture story and decide how it applies to our lives. Peter and Andrew, James and John, they lived on the shores of of the Sea of Galilee. And along with their fathers, they were professional commercial fishermen. That's what they did for a living. And in this small oval lake shaped, which is about 12 miles long and about 7 miles wide at its widest point, they caught all sorts of fish. It was an important source of fish, not simply for Palestine, but for the entire Mediterranean. Josephus, Josephus, who is a historian around the time of Christ, says that at about the time of Christ, not shortly after that, there were about 130, 135 fishing boats on a daily basis on the Sea of Galilee. They were going out and catching fish, salting fish, and sending them out around the Mediterranean. It was a staple of the diet. And while Peter and Andrew and James and John were not wealthy, they were certainly not poor. They were successful businessmen. They owned their own boats. They owned their own equipment. They had hired men to help them with this fishing. And they knew the importance of time and of weather and of location when it came to catching fish. There was an appreciation of the water, the sea, the Sea of Galilee, and what it would give up. They were successful fishermen in every sense of the word. And they were there doing their business. They were out there tending nets, bringing in in fish. When Jesus calls them, when this ex-carpenter drives by, drives by, walks by, and calls them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Now, that's all you all are going to think about is Jesus driving by on the Sea of Galilee, telling you people. And you're going to go home and say, well, my pastor said it was, he drove. Walking by. I don't lose my place often, but here we go again. He was going to change them from being fishers or fishermen to fishers of men. He was converting them from being businessmen to kingdom men who led others spiritually toward the kingdom. And ever since that time, Jesus has been calling men and women to be fishers of other men and women. A calling that moves you away from that which you are most comfortable in, most settled in, on a wonderful adventure of following Jesus Christ. I didn't say it was an easy adventure. I said it was a wonderful adventure in following Christ. Now, I've come to the conclusion that when it comes to fishing, there are four basic reasons why people do not catch fish. The first is they use the wrong bait, and they don't catch any fish. The second is that some people may use the right bait, but they're fishing in the wrong lake, the wrong river, so they don't catch any fish. And then some people fish in the right location, and they use the right bait, but they simply don't know how to fish. They're not using the right equipment or the right technique. And finally, most important, there are some people who use the right bait in the right place with all the right technique, but they just simply don't want to fish. They don't care about fishing. The Lord Jesus came not only that we might believe in him, 
but that we might go fishing with him. You see, the problem here in Danville is not that we're fishing in the wrong lake. There are lots of fish in our community. Matter of fact, at the last Barna Research Institute inventory, there's like 73, 74% of the community that is unchurched. Can you imagine that? 73, 74% of the Danville community, the environs around Danville that are unchurched. There are plenty of fish in this lake. And heaven knows, I think we have the right bait. I think God's Word is the right bait when it's read properly and applied properly to our lives. It'll catch anything. I think the biggest problem that we have as a church, as a church whole, is either inability or apathy. Inability or apathy. There are some Christians that simply do not believe they know how to fish. And for them, we need to educate. We need to teach them. And there are other Christians who say they're followers of Jesus Christ who just have absolutely no interest in fishing. That must be somebody else's job. I'm not supposed to be doing that. I'm just supposed to show up. Paul Harvey has a wonderful statement that I want you all to take to heart. I want you to hear very clearly. Paul Harvey says there are too many Christians that are no longer fishers of men, but simply keepers of the aquarium. There are too many Christians that are no longer fishers of men. They are simply keepers of the aquarium. And I hope that never applies to me or to you or to any of us. And that's why we're talking today about this passage in Mark. The very first thing we need to do is about following Jesus. I know all of you are going to say, well, I follow Jesus. Okay. I'm talking about really following the person you say is Lord and Savior. Quite frankly, that's where the Christian life begins, and that's where it ends, following Jesus Christ. If you go back to the New Testament Greek in this passage, and you look at follow me, what it actually means is come behind me, get behind me, fall into my footsteps, do as I do. That's what Jesus Christ was asking his original disciples. That's what he asked us, follow in my footsteps and do as I do. We're supposed to be discipling. We're supposed to be following the master. Jesus Christ didn't say, hey, look at me. He didn't say, listen to me. Learn from me. Love from me. No. He said, follow me. Walk in my footsteps. Emulate me. Life's greatest decision. Life's greatest decision is whether you're going to follow Jesus Christ or not. It boils down to this. If Jesus is God, follow him. If he's not God, ignore him. And I can't say it any clearer than that. If Jesus Christ is God, follow him. And if he's not, ignore him. My belief is is that we are all here today because we believe Jesus Christ is God. He has asked us to follow him, and that means we are to walk in his footsteps. Billy Graham tells a story at one of his revivals in America. He was out. He had some letters that he wanted to mail. Didn't know where the post office was. And so he was walking along. He asked a young man on the street where the post office was, where the nearest post office was. And the little boy said, well, yes, sir. So as you go down to that red light right there, and you turn right, you go down two blocks, and then you make another right. 
Then you go down one more block, you turn left, and there's the post office. Dr. Graham said, thank you very much, son. And he said, oh, by the way, I'm going to be preaching tonight at the convention center. I'm going to be telling people how to get to heaven. Would you like to come? Always the evangelist. Would you like to come? The young boy says, well, I don't know, mister. You can't even find your way to the post office. That's what an evangelist does. He says, come, listen, I can tell you. I may not weigh my way to the post office, but I know exactly my way when Jesus Christ, because Jesus Christ is the way to heaven. Those early disciples, they took a risk in following Jesus Christ. They left their business, they left their families, and they followed him because they believed in him. They made a radical move in their lives. They picked up and went because they had a strong belief that Jesus was exactly who they said he was. Now, I'm not asking you to leave your businesses or your schools or your families, but I am asking you to actually follow Christ, to walk in his footsteps and to emulate who he is and what he does, not just for 60 minutes on a Sunday morning, but each and every day of your life, to follow your Lord and Savior. And if you believe in Jesus Christ, your belief involves action. That doesn't mean you just take a little piece of paper and you check off, say, I believe, and put it in your paper and forget about it, pocket and forget about it. It says you're involved. Your belief involves action. That means you're doing something. It requires you to do something. We've got to start fishing, folks. We can't simply think about it or dream about it or discuss it. We've actually got to fish. We've got to go out there, just as Jesus called the original disciples. Following Jesus' discipleship, going fishing, is evangelism. That's where we make new disciples. We are supposed to be about making disciples and not about making decisions. You know, one thing I think that impacts the church and the conference and the denomination more than anything else is we spend more time trying to make decisions than we do disciple-making. We're more concerned about the color of the carpet or the songs that we sing, or the version of Bible that we use, we're more concerned about those decisions than we are about disciple-making. And that's exactly what Christ asked us to do. Follow me. I'm going to make you fishers of men. He didn't say, I'm going to let you decide the color of the carpet. He didn't say, don't worry about all these versions of the Bible. He says, I'm going to make you fishers of men. Let's make disciples together. I want you to understand that the church exists for all those fish that haven't been caught yet. For all the fish that haven't been caught. If you don't have the purpose of Jesus Christ in your life, then I question whether you're really following Jesus. If you're not actually out there fishing, then my question, are you following or are you just going through the motions? Because if you don't have the purpose of Christ in your heart and you're doing that, then what are you doing? In Mark chapter 3, when you finally get there in a couple of weeks, you look at verses 13 and 14. This is how Jesus gathered all of his 12 disciples together. Mark writes these words, and he went up on the mountain and called to him those who he himself wanted, and they came to him. Then he appointed 12 that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach. First he called them, and then he sent them. Why do you think he did that? Why do you think he did that? Because fish don't come to fishermen. Fishermen got to go to fish. Fish are not going to walk in that back door. 
I don't care how many donuts we serve. We got to go out there. Fish don't come to fishermen. Fishermen got to go to fish. This is not one of those things, build it and they will come. This is not the field of dreams. This is a field of work. We're going to be disciples. We're going to evangelize. We're going to have to get our hands dirty. We're going to have to go out there because they're not coming in here. Ask yourself. Ask yourself these questions. How can a fish be caught without bait? The answer is it can't unless you use dynamite, and that's not fair. How are they going to bite the bait unless they see it? They can't. I know some of you are going to say, well, they smell it. Uh, How will they see it unless it's actually placed in the water? Well, it can't. You can't hold it in your tackle box and expect the fish to come out on land and pick it out of the tackle box and go back in the water. And how's the bait going to get in the water unless the fisherman puts the bait in the water? It's not. That means it's dependent upon that to be us to be those kind of fishing. This doesn't happen by osmosis, folks. This happens because we're intentional about it. We believe enough that our belief involves action. Jesus said, follow me. He didn't say, follow me and I'm going to make you speakers of tongues. He didn't say, follow me and I'm going to let you be healers of the sick. He didn't say, follow me and I'm going to let you be miracle workers. He said, follow me and I'm going to make you fishers of men. Fishers of men and women. It's not about who we are. It's about who he still wants us to be. Not about who we are, but who he still wants us to be. My last point to you is perhaps the most important. Fishing, folks, is our business. That is what the church is all about. We must understand that we are in the fishing business. Listen to the words once again. Follow me. I will make you fishers of men. Isn't it interesting that he called fishermen to be fishers of men? He was saying, listen, I'm going to take what you do on a daily basis. I'm going to take your personalities, your attributes, your characteristics. But instead of catching those little floppy things out of the lake, I'm going to let you catch men and women. You're going to use the same thing, but you're going to focus in a different way. You're going to be fishers of men and women by what you do and by what you say when you follow me. That's the business that you're in. That's the business. Jesus is saying, I'm going to take you where you are, and I'm going to change you and make you something different. You know, I'm so grateful for this church. I'm grateful for the, the complex that we have here, the resources we have, the staff that we have, the congregation that we have. We are blessed in this church beyond measure. We are blessed. We have bells and whistles and gadgets that are simply incredible that we can use But I want you to understand this. Buildings don't reach people. Technology doesn't reach people. Bells and whistles and gadgets don't reach people. People reach people. Boats don't catch fish. Rods and reels and bait don't catch fish. Only people catch fish. And that's why the fishing business is our business always.
Always. We're supposed to be leading Jesus Christ to people. We're supposed to be leading people to Jesus Christ so that their lives might be forever changed. The greatest accomplishment we will ever have, the greatest thing we will ever accomplish or ever experience is leading someone to know Jesus Christ and to watch their lives transform before us. There are unlimited possibilities, but we need to be busy doing the business's hand, and that is fishing. Despite the obstacles, despite the strange looks we get, despite the words that other people give you, if you're followers of Jesus Christ, if you're emulating who he is, and if your belief involves action, then you're out there fishing and you're continuing to fish because that is your business. That is our business. That's the church's business. That's what we're supposed to be about. I made a comment last Sunday in my State of the Church sermon. I said, God accepts us where we are, but he never allows us to stay there. God accepts us where we are, but he never allows us to stay there. He wants us to be changed. He wants us to be different. And you and I are a part of making people different. You don't have to be a pastor. You don't have to be on staff. You don't have to teach Sunday school. You don't have to teach a Bible study. It's about how you treat people, how you speak to people, how you love people, how you establish relationships, how you nurture relationships, what other people mean to you. That's about being fishers of men, leading them toward the kingdom and leading them that they might know the grace and the mercy and the love that is Jesus Christ, not talking about it, but actually physically doing it every day of your life. realize that some of you here today may not be followers of Jesus Christ. You may be looking at me and going, what's he doing? I just ask you to look around, maybe somebody next to you in the pew. And if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, I ask you to hear this the same way, because it applies to each and every one of us here. I want you to remember that we were all fish once upon a time. We were all fish And because somebody loved and cared about us enough, they caught us, and they cleaned us, and we got changed. They reeled us in, right? Made a difference in our life. We were changed by the power of Jesus Christ, by someone who loved us enough that they took a time to be fishers of men and women. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, if you are truly following in his footsteps, he wants you every day to launch out into that sea of humanity and go fishing for men and women. Folks, that's the church's only business. That's the only business we have, the fishing business. And no matter what else we do, and no matter how well we do it, If we ever get out of the fishing business, we are out of business. Can I say it more emphatically? If we ever get out of the fishing business, we are out of business. So tell me, folks, are we going fishing? Or are we just going to sit around and cut bait? I hope, I pray that we're about following Christ and going fishing and continuing 
to go fishing every day of our lives. Would you bow your heads with me, please?